Welcome back to Don't Give Up Space Cowboy, the podcast old enough to be your dad, but young enough to be your boyfriend. My name is Jeremy Greer. I am joined, as always, by my friend, Chris Moser. Chris, how are you today? Feeling like a brother, in fact, this time. How are you, Jeremy? Going for a brother, huh? You're trying to get... Uh-huh, that's kind of like uh-huh. in between a daddy and a boyfriend, right? Is that how that brothers work? That's such an up on you. That's, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. We'll have to consult our Supernatural podcast. We'll have to uh, talk to all of our sisters about this, because we and you were blessed with many sisters between us. So uh, Hundreds. <laughs> we have hundreds of sisters. Uh, we're back with some Bebop, my man. We are closing in on the end of this series, and I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. How do you think it's going to end? No, don't tell me. Let's do this. <laughs> I think that Arya <laughs> is going to kill Jon Snow, and that's going to be... Oh, man. Uh, oh, man. It's interesting. I, um... Having been, like, they, they, they front-load you so early with all of the, uh... His name isn't V. What is his name? Sweet V? What is his... What's Vicious. It's Sweet V. Yeah, it's Vicious. It's, it's Sweet V. Um, he's the uh-huh. alternate character from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Sweet V. Um, of course. But they course. front load you with that stuff. And I've been waiting for all of like that story and plot to happen for like a while now. And I assumed like when we got to the last like six or seven episodes, we would get into it. But these two are still just kind of one-off stories, which I don't mind at all. It's just kind of... Like asking me, like, how do you think it's going to end? I, I, I mean, it could end like in the next episode. Like, they could just stop making more of these at this point. Like, I don't think that there's any big yeah. like story it, questions that I have besides who is Sweet V and why does he have that rad bird on his chest? Why does he? Yeah, why is he rocking that tight bird on his shoulder? <laughs> <laughs> one tight bird. <laughs> well, that is um, one tight bird, my dude. How do you think it's going to end, Chris? I think that it's never going to. I think it's going to go on forever. <laughs> Uh, before we get into the two episodes we're covering today, uh, let's think. Our- What's that? It ended 20 years ago? Yes, it ended. Oh my God, it really has been 20 years, hasn't it? That's so weird. This holds up mm-hmm. so fucking well for being two decades old, my dude. It really does. Uh, but let's, let's thank the patrons over at patreon.com slash monster of the week uh, for, you know, putting some bucks into our pockets to make yeah. this show happen. This was... Uh, one of the original Monster of the Weeks Presents podcasts that we're doing, and we've added a bunch more. So thank you all for doing that. Uh, our first episode today that we're covering is Boogie Woogie Feng Shui. Feng Shui. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. Uh, bye. If you're listening, I apologize. This came out on March 20th, 1999. It was written by Sadayuki Murai and Sanichiro Watanabe. Jet gets a mysterious note from an old friend, Pal, and finds himself teaming up with his daughter, who uses feng shui to decipher it. The two are also chased by syndicate monsters, also searching for him. Um, that's a, that's kind of a dangling pronoun problem right there. Who's the him yeah. that's referring to? What are, you, what are you doing? Who is the him? Yeah. Who, who is the him is what the name of this episode who will, is will not be. Because him? We, we don't do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How, do you, how do you feel about uh, this, Chris? Where does this lie in the, in the pantheon of Cowboy Bebop episodes for you? This is, I honestly, this felt like the first time I'd ever seen this. I know that that isn't true, um, but I was, I, I guess, pleasantly surprised to feel like to feel like I had found fresh content. Maybe I'd skip this on my last rewatch or something. I know in the past, I've watched the series a few times that I, I've skipped some of the later episodes when I just want to get to the end and be like, all right, the real, the real good juicy shit comes right at the end. So let me just skip right to that. And uh, I, I've seen my my share of uh, Monster of the Week stuff or whatever. Yeah, bounty of the week stuff. Um, so yeah, this felt this felt like new territory. It's not, but it felt that way. I could um I could see this one being one to skip, like especially if as as you have told me and as other people have told me, if as the series 
um, closes really well. Like you're, you're, you're desperate to get to that good, good content and being like, I, I don't really care about feng shui poems and this weird daughter. Uh, I just, I just want to get to that content. Um, but it, it, it's, it's, it's a really good episode, but I can see it being kind of forgettable overall. Like if you ask mm-hmm. me in two years, what did you think about Boogie Woogie Feng Shui? I want to be like, I definitely did a podcast about it. I definitely yeah. recorded some words yeah. about it. And let me refer to, <laughs> refer, that podca- refer to you to that podcast because I don't remember anything I said about it. Yeah, a lot of this just completely came as a surprise. So it, it was it was fun. There's especially some like light comedic moments that I really appreciated, like stuff on the Bebop later on. Um, but yeah, so we start this off by Jet getting an email from we find out as one of his old friends, an old acquaintance named Pow. Um, and he was an old uh, Feng Shui master. Um, he is this, this Pow fella. He is dead, as we're going to learn. Um, but Jet still got this email. And, that, you know, at first I thought that he had been dead for like a really long time. So Jet getting this email was strange. But no, he basically he got this email and then finds out that he's not alive anymore. Um, but it's confusing and I may have missed a plot point on this. Uh, when we, when the daughter and the dad eventually meet up, um, she refers to like years of, of, of hating him for not being around. And I didn't, I guess I didn't, I thought that I thought the same thing. Like I thought he had died a long time ago. Um, but it's like, obviously I guess he just abandoned her at some point. Like he just didn't do anything with her. Um, so that, I was, I was a little bit confused about the plot as well. Did you write down the, um, the poem, the email that he gets the little, yeah um seek the holy beast of anzan i am where the four gods meet um and it was sent yeah so he as we learn in a little while this cryptic email was sent uh just before how supposedly was in an accident but jet didn't get it until three days after the fact as far as i'm able to follow that's that's what happened it's a bit of a silent hill situation here uh, Jet's getting letters like in my restless dreams. I see that Bebop, um, and yeah, so he's he's called and and we basically we pick up the story. We're introduced to it through Jet doing a kind of like noir uh, voiceover kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of scenes of him doing little bits of voiceover with this this cool jazzy music in the background. Um, and yeah, he's at the gravesite of this pow fella, which is like if he just died three days ago, pretty wild that they set this thing up. <laughs> Yeah, so if, if, if you've ever had but. to handle, um, like, the, you know, the situation of a relative passing away and, like, having to do all of the, the business of putting them in the ground, like, three days is a ridiculous amount of time to have a headstone. Like, they must have had this headstone pre-carved, right? Yeah, they, they, would, have, they would have had to. Maybe because he was gone for so long. Or maybe we are just misinterpreting the information we've been given. And he has been he, believed to have been dead for a long time, but he got the email three days ago, so it's just, I don't know. Um, it's all it's a little, little confusing, but it doesn't matter that much because it's about the journey. You know, it's not about the facts. True. Uh, so he meets he meets this girl at the gravestone. Um, she pops out from behind it, kind of scaring him and is reciting uh, weird poetry, like which she's going to do quite a bit in this episode. She's just going to say random things that I guess are feng shui um, before this episode. Was your interpretation of feng shui just like, let's rearrange the furniture so it looks good? Because that's kind of as far as in-depth as I've ever gotten. Like, all I know from feng shui, I learned from Seinfeld at some point. I'm sure that that's the case. Yeah, I don't know. I I guess I just, yeah, that's like the flow of a room or whatever. I don't know. So I guess it's the flow of of things. It's not something that I ever really thought about uh, to any extent. Um, Yeah, so he he meets this girl 
And before he can really get any answers from her or like figure out what's going on in any way, shape or form, um, dudes in suits just start shooting at them. The yes. first bullet just goes wide and, you know, Jet takes a dive and, and, and hides from them. Um, and I like that we just got that quick little scene of like the other dude in the suit who's not shooting being like, what are you shooting at birds? Like, what are you, what are you aiming at, dude? You extremely missed. I was um, I was happy to see that uh, the Wikipedia called these two dudes a reference to um, um, the Blues Brothers, because that's definitely the vibe oh. I got while I was watching it. It was like two kind of like cool looking dudes who are incompetent, but like kind of just stumble their way through situations into yeah. whether it's good or bad. Yeah. Um, and it, it definitely feels like that. Like they've got that kind of comedic vibe happening. Um, she's got this weird disc thing that I could never understand the name for. So I just called it a disc in my notes, but it's uh, basically like this. Hex- I was, <laughs> yeah. I wrote down like weird artifact question mark. <laughs> Uh, and this disc has like it's 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 got several moving pieces that can kind of rotate around and like twist and turn. Um, and she looks at it and says that she has figured a way out and grabs Jet's hand and runs away to the edge of this park or I guess this graveyard uh, where a double decker bus is passing. So she jumps on that on the top top deck of that with Jet, and then uh, almost immediately the goons are in their car following her. Uh, but then she grabs him again and they jump into the water, kind of losing the goons for a while. And that's when they're able to go back to the bebop and we get to see that Jet wears boxer shorts when he's just hanging out. <laughs> when he gets a little wet, he yeah. just takes the pants off and he's just got some boxers all yeah. over there. No pants. <laughs> um, yeah, and every we just we get that brief scene of just everybody looking at them, like Spike and Faye and Ayn and Ed all being like, is this, is this Jet's girlfriend? It, I think, what does Faye say that something about like, he's, uh, or she's, she's too... Too young for old him. to be something or too young to be something. Yeah. I don't know. Too too old. Um, too old to be his daughter, I think, or something like too old, too, too old to be his daughter, but too young to whatever. I don't, yeah, but definitely comments on her youngness. And Ed's like, not too young, not too young. Being classic. Yeah. Ed. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, but yeah, then we just cut over to, to Jet talking to her and um, he tells her about the email. Finally, like they, they actually get to communicate about what what was going on the seek the holy beast of Anzan, and I am where the four gods meet. Um, so she thinks that Jet is being set up, essentially, to go on a quest to find the Sunstone. Yes. This thing that she's looking for, that her father was interested in. Jet doesn't have any clue what that is, but um, we cut right into basically more uh, jazzy noir searching for information scenes. Before, before we jump to that, uh, I just want to comment on Ed delivering food with a tray on her head. And say like, are you Jet's girlfriend? <laughs> like just putting it right oh, out there. Yeah. It was very cute and very funny. <laughs> um, and and yeah, so they're going. Uh, they're going to go on this quest. We go check in on the uh, the goons for just a little bit, and they basically tell the they're on the phone telling their boss that Jet got away, and the, the boss is not happy. Um, and we have more narration. Um, and this is where it gets a, a little weird. Where Jet is, uh, he's the narration is something to the extent of like, I don't, I didn't owe. Uh, pow any favors and i definitely didn't owe his daughter any favors but i felt like I, I really had to do it and you know she had that gypsy scarf and all that spirit and it's and while he's talking about this he's like looking at her and, I, and i'm like are you interested in her <laughs> like how old is this chick my dude what are you what are you doing yeah, here it's it's all very weird i don't really know what they're trying to communicate with this yeah because i mean there's it's obvious like we, we we know that he met her as a very young child when he was working with Pal, uh, because we will eventually see it like a picture of the, the three of them together. Um, so he, but he, she was too young to remember that. So 
all of the like, is she his girlfriend? And you know, that spirit was just a was a little weird. <laughs> it was just a little little strange. And um, yeah, not not exactly sure what the, what the balance they were trying to strike. What I, this is, I really like the scene uh, of them sitting in the park. Both of them are eating ice cream and watching like people do tai chi uh, in the in the park. The animation on that is is extremely good. Like it's just it looks mm-hmm. really really nice. Um, as it always does. Like the I think they're on Mars right now, and it's just a it's just gorgeous. It's just beautiful. Um, but they're they're kind of going back and forth, and uh, she's describing what feng shui is and talking about how it makes up the three chi's which is um mm-hmm. i accidentally i guess my spell check did this so it says the three chrises <laughs> instead of the three chi's so thank you spell check for that <laughs> um the sun the earth and uh and uh, the human chi from our from our magnetic fields and she kind of goes into detail on feng shui is a universal language and has the power to change the world around you and is where all energy comes from and and all of this stuff and i'll be honest with you i didn't care about that too much <laughs> It doesn't. It doesn't affect a whole lot. I guess it's just the like the mystical. Not to call it mystical, but for this episode, it's like the the mystical plot device that will get them where they need to go. Exactly. Because at yeah. a certain point, she just like points up at a building. Is like, oh, up there. <laughs> That's where we need to go. And I went, all right, yeah, I I agree. And and this is another awkward spot because um, as she's like talking about this, she's uh, like he says ice cream. And she says, what? And like, she looks down and realizes that her ice cream cone is, is about to, to, her ice cream is about to fall off the cone. And then Jet starts talking about, um, saying that, saying that he's not old enough to be your dad. He's more like her boyfriend. Oh no, I, I met, I met my brother. And then she says the word ice cream and he realizes his ice cream is about to, 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 to fall off. And it's just a weird scene, Chris. It's just very strange to me. It's very strange. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm glad that they settle on brother and then maybe we can just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fortunately, I don't think it comes up anymore from here. So I think it's just this. Yeah. Maybe it's like not supposed to be as creepy as it sounds. And it's more, maybe there is some sort of jet struggling with his own place in things in, yeah. in their universe. Like he's caught between being an old man and being what he feels. He still feels like he's a young man, but he's in reality, he is becoming an old man. And, talking about the heavens and the earth and all these different things and maybe yeah maybe he's just it's just an awkward moment in a in a very awkward example of him experiencing some sort of like um identity crisis of realizing oh shit maybe i'm older than i think i am thankfully he doesn't make any moves or anything seriously once they uh once they (laughs) once they figure out all this brother stuff they go to the mountain hotel um which she says is the is 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 referred to in the original email this was the the a- a- abaddon or a- a- archon or it was abaddon yeah, yeah Anzan, on the mm-hmm. between the four gods or something yeah she leads them up to the top they go up in the roof um and she's just i mean she's she's interpreting clues and signs and energy presumably that i'm not able to interpret uh but she looks around and she identifies these different landmarks as the four different gods like this is the tiger that's the dragon um this is whatever they are uh, and yeah, she points them all out and she's like, okay, so like we're on the right track. That means that we should be able to find the sunstone from here. Yeah. I do like these, the, the way that these gods are represented, like the, um, the blue dragon is a reflection of a blue train going by a curved glass. So it creates a, like mm-hmm. a curved mirror effect. I thought that was really neat. Um, 
by the time we got to the last ones, though, like I, I it was like, that's a red phoenix. And I'm like, it's just a red thing, homie. What do we, <laughs> you guys are, are stretching the definition of phoenix. And I'm an X-Men fan and I've stretched the definition of phoenix for a long time. <laughs> um, but that's okay. That's fine because she, she dials in to the Sunstone um, and they, they have figured out like a path to go on. Unfortunately, the goons are waiting for them when they get back downstairs. And uh, they are, they're following them uh, and and Jet's starting to pick up on this but before anything happens uh Mifa pulls a black rock out of some like rando statue's mouth and she's like this is the sunstone and I'm like well this was a this was <laughs> like did this feel wonder, like a little underwhelming to you <laughs> like here yeah, here it is <laughs> I wonder if it's all supposed to be like arbitrary nonsense on purpose as if like you don't actually need any of it no that's not true because it actually in fact was a sunstone because uh, they do a thing with it later. Just kidding. I was going to say, if it's all arbitrary nonsense and she's just finding her own way based on what she knows about her father and he just set up this game for her, blah, 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 whatever. Um, but th- they shoot that thing with a plasma ray later. <laughs> <laughs> and it has an effect. Yeah. So I- It creates a, t- a wormhole of some sort. So, <laughs> um, so Jet, having spotted the the goons approaching, he uh, pulls her into a bar and orders a a bottle of uh, something, some sort of whiskey, and um, says he doesn't need a glass. And when the goons barge in, Jet punches them out and hits them with the bottle. Uh, Mifa jumps on one of them and starts like kind of pounding on his face, which is really cute and funny. Um, yeah. And then Jet like pours some of the liquor onto one of their faces and is starting to and is basically questioning them. And at first, the goon doesn't give up anything. He says it's not worth it, and then. Jet starts putting the chokehold even tighter, and he eventually gets out of him that uh, they're from the syndicate, and they're looking for Powell, who managed to get away from them. Uh, and then once they finally get that information, Jet just cold murders this dude in the street. <laughs> I was trying to figure out if there was some way that he didn't murder this man, but he straight snaps this guy's neck. You hear the crunch of bone. Yeah. It's not like he's like, all right, time to go to sleep. And then, you know, he squeezes <laughs> tight, and then, he, you know, he passes out or whatever. No, you, you hear like a, <laughs> like, all right, dude. And then the little kids who are running around the street just, like, steal the guy's sunglasses. It, it's really funny. <laughs> like, it's funny, but it's also kind of gruesome. Like, it's, it's like some, it's, it's like watching, like, if you go back and watch a Steven Seagal movie when it, where he's crunching everybody's bones and you're just, like, calculating the medical damage that all, uh, medical bills that all these people are going to get. This is like, ouch, dude, stop, please, stop. Knock it off, please. Um, of course, Mifa is completely stunned that her father could be alive. And then we get some, some more narration and Chris, this is maybe the most beautiful thing that this show has done. Them walking through this sunset over the water and 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 while with Jet's narration playing in the background, like this is some of the most beautiful scenery I have seen in animation, like period. Like across just, all mediums. These like random scenes and random episodes, they're just throwing like, hey, you want some um, I don't know, some casual, intense beauty? It's 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 intense. Like it's these purple and gold uh kind of colors and the reflections in the water and the water is moving. Like it's 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 once again one of those things of like how the fuck did they do this? Like how is this even possible? Hope how many people had to die to bring me this beautiful sunset scene that lasts for thirty seconds? Hopefully none. Hopefully none. And that's the thing, it's like plot wise, you can say like, Oh, this this episode doesn't contribute much, you aren't gonna learn much about any of the characters. It's skippable, but then you miss out on stuff like this. You miss out on these little moments of animation or color or whatever it is, music that is going to bring more life to the overall experience of digesting the show. Um, 
which yeah, it's just it's just one of those little examples of something that's really great about Cowboy Bebop that goes beyond a story about bounty hunters. Uh, we've talked in the past about the difference between watching something for fun and then watching something for a podcast, and um, how watching something for a podcast, if it's bad, can be makes it just exponentially worse because you're having to pay attention to it, where normally your mind would just kind of drift off and do its own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's scenes like these in Cowboy Bebop that makes me really happy that we're doing this, doing a podcast about it because it <laughs> gives you us a chance to like really zoom in on these these tiny moments because the overall episode. Like we said, art doesn't feel very important to me unless unless Mifa shows up with the sunstone and in in like episode twenty five, or she shows up at the very ending of the movie, and it's actually an infinity stone, and Thanos is there. Then like I I'll, I will eat my words, but otherwise, like it's just a really nice looking scene, and I dig it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Jet decides to analyze this stone, and uh, they determine that is actually a piece of the moon that exploded uh, from the Gate incident fifty years ago. And Mifa says that because of that, it's harnessed a bunch of like latent energy. And uh, Spike and Faye are getting up in her grill, smoking cigarettes and like asking her a bunch of questions. And Jet has just <laughs> had enough. She, he's just like, nope, there's no smoking on the ship anymore. And they're like, dude, you smoke on this ship. You smoke right here all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but he kicks them out. He makes them go outside. So we just get that great scene in a few minutes of them just standing there, like all looking all gloomy, smoking cigarettes, ashing into like cans or whatever that they have in their hands. It's extremely funny. Like it's it's just it's just one of those things. Like I'm not going to quit smoking. Like I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to put out my yeah. cigarette. Like I'm just going to walk right. outside. Very very funny. Um. Um. I'm at this point, our, our, our wonderful dated dog, uh, grabs the sunstone and takes it over to Ed, who uh, grabs it and puts it into the dial. She's been playing with Mifa's little dial tool thing. And when she does, the, the dial starts kind of spinning on her own. Um, and she, she says that, I think it's at this point, um, they, they can use this uh, to, because her dad also has a sunstone. And she can use this energy and this dial to dial into his energy and they can lead it will lead it to it lead them to pal yeah it's just it's spinning because actually ed is the center of the universe and i think that's the secret that we need to be taking away from this but yeah they can now use this to kind of pinpoint on um on pal's location which is uh that's the plot that we needed let's get moving who gives a shit right yeah absolutely um there is a brief beat here where mifa wonders why pal sent this message to uh jet and not her and that's going to be kind of a Mm -hmm. through line of like why hasn't my dad been reaching out to me um Faye and spike continue to discuss the romantic possibility of mifa and jet like just who is this this episode why the best part of this episode is just Faye and spike hanging out in various places just and just being cool with each other it's it's nice to get them just being like if not friends then just like casual work acquaintances right like we're right we both smoke and so we both have to come out here every 15 minutes so let's we might as well have a conversation (laughs) while we're doing it yeah um Mifa says that her her mom left because her dad only cared about the universal feng shui, and uh, she's kind of curious about why the goons are after him. And Jet finally like caves and tells her that hey, Pal was employed by the syndicate, and he leaked a bunch of information to Jet while Jet worked for the police and uh, was trying to basically use that as leverage to get out of the syndicate. But of course, if you're deep enough into the syndicate, they never let you out. So he could not get out. Yeah, it's weird that, you know, we touch on the syndicate and it feels like so casual here and stuff. Like that's where that's where Spike and Vicious are from. Like yeah. that's that was Spike's past. Um and they talk about how you can't get out of it and like yet here we have Spike. So even when I guess even when we don't think that they're t- 
touching upon anything related to the main plot whatsoever or, you know, in quotes, the main plot. Um, there's still reference to it. You know, Spike's past is, is a is a big deal and the vicious stuff is is a big deal. Uh, and this is in a small way linked to it. It's at least another side story. It's another example of what happens to people who try to get out. And, and I guess I didn't think about this when we were talking about it at the start of the episode. But uh, this also does make me question, like, how did Spike get out? Like, obviously, we've seen him go back and, and, and have drinks with that lady uh, when the, um, whoever died or, or whatever it was. But, um, like, how, why are there not goons chasing Spike all over the place if he was involved with the syndicate that much? And, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it, does, it does open up some questions. Because um, there's some stuff, you know, when he, um, yeah, he saw that woman and she was like, uh, she was totally sure that Spike was dead. And he's like, no, uh, yeah, I'm here. And I mean, Spike makes references to having died once before and all this stuff. And uh, the very first scene of Cowboy Bebop, I think, at least one of the very, the very first, um, is that flashback that shows him like smoking cigarettes in the rain. Yeah. Uh, and he like drops a rose in a puddle or something like that. We in see, I think we see rain. flashes of that. Yeah. <laughs> in the rain. Um, so there, you know, that there is, there is still something left to be found there. And this is, yeah. This is just kind of another reminder of that, even though neither of us thought of it while watching it. Um, so they decide to they're, they're tracking this energy, this energy signal. They go through one of the gates and they are in. I, I forget what this is, what they call this, the hyper tunnel or the hypervisor or whatever this is. But it's this tunnel that we've seen in the past. Like if you if you don't stay within inside of it, it'll 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 destroy you. Like if you try to, to break through, it'll, it'll destroy the ship, which is uh, extremely bad. As they're yeah. traveling through here, a blue or excuse me, purple laser like comes out of nowhere. So they are now being attacked and Jet and Faye jump in their ships and this enemy ship sends out a bunch of robot ships, which I believe we would just call drones now. That seems like a lot shorter. <laughs> uh, and then it's a it's a full on kind of uh, dogfight. Faye gets knocked into the wall, but luckily doesn't explode. She gets she manages to get out of it. And then Ed, who all this time they've, they, we, they've kept cutting to Ed showing her looking at the chemical makeup of the stone, she gets an idea. And that idea is, let me take the sunstone and flush it down the toilet yep, so that we can eject it out of the ship. And then Spike, you can shoot it with your plasma beam and that will trigger the uh, activation or whatever, uh, or cause the energy within the sunstone to combust and cause an explosion. And it does. Um, I, I do have one question. Like, if you just mm-hmm. flush the toilet in the Bebop, does it just immediately go out into space? That seems very rude. That just seems super rude. Like, seems like you could recycle that stuff. You know what I'm saying? Get some gray water. You could absolutely, yeah. yeah. You, you cool could things. figure something out. Um, instead of just, like, a tearing open a dimensional rift or something. Instead of Dave Matthews banding all of your shit across space. <laughs> yeah, yeah, come on, man. Um, so they shoot this thing, it explodes, it destroys the enemy ships, and then a new ship appears uh, inside what looks to me like a wormhole. It's like another dimension. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then on the screen inside the Bebop, POW appears. And uh, we get these like exterior shots of the effects that this weird energy is creating. Like there's these black tendrils up going over uh, all over the ship, which looks creepy and weird and really, really great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's just like another dimension there <laughs> that we're just not going to talk about. Yeah, this dude is literally in a pocket dimension hanging out by himself, just chilling, and uh, immediately tells them, like, hey, you, you guys can't come over here. Like, this is bad news bears over here. Like, we, if you, if you yeah. go over here, the ship will be destroyed. So we're, And also, my oxygen is running out, so, like, I'm not going to be alive for much longer anyway. Yeah, everything, everything's fucked up, but we find out that, really, 
all he contacted Jet because he was hoping that Jet would help his daughter get there just so he could see her one more time. That's really all it is at the end of the day. It wasn't on this quest to harness anything or do anything or have him be saved or anything like that. It was just so he could see his daughter one last time. And Jet actually gives him some shit about this. He says, you know, you, yeah. you tried to control all of this, but the only reason that we're here is because Mephia, Mephia uh, wanted to find Pal. Like it was, it was Mephia that was like driven this whole operation. Um, but that, 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 that line doesn't go very far because Pal was just like, Oh, it's my daughter. And I really like to see her. And she's like, I hated you for years, but now that's gone. I love you. And then like she, the signal dies and like her, her dad yeah, I, presumably I, I dies. Her, right. I think her last words to him before it fades away is just like, girl, I used to hate you, but now I don't. Good job. And then like, he kind of like, pal. he Father kind of, of smiles a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> that's Dean Winchester talking to John. I used to it. hate you. There's no follow up. <laughs> I just used to hate you. <laughs> yeah. I used to, Past tense used to hate you. Uh, what about now? I'm sorry. What? What? Uh, mm. <laughs> sorry, the pocket dimension's closing. I can't. Uh... Yeah, yeah, we're losing you, Dad. I'm losing you, John. <laughs> You're ghosting out. Uh, at this point, we get some like kind of country twang, Willie Nelson type music, and Jet narrates pretty much the epilogue, uh, which is that mm-hmm. Mafia goes back to Mars. Everybody can smoke on the bebop again, and everything is pretty much the same, except Jet doesn't check his horoscopes anymore. Oh. Damn, I didn't know he did. I, I, number one, <laughs> we didn't know he did that. Number two, I'm still not like 100% sure how feng shui relates to horoscopes. Like I'm definitely showing my my lack of knowledge on this culture completely and this this whole like yeah. idea and philosophy. Same. So. Same. <laughs> but you know what? It's okay because it's just cowboy people. Yeah, yeah. Right in. Monsteroftheweek.cool. Tell us all about your feng shui when <laughs> we eventually do a feedback episode for this if we do it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's, you know, aside from some some like characterization some color and some great great key uh moments of animation or um just beauty this episode doesn't do a whole lot but it's still uh, a fun watch regardless yeah i liked it um i didn't it's definitely not my favorite episode of the series but uh so there was some cool stuff kind of buried inside of it and uh yeah like i don't i definitely don't hate it by any means like i think it's, it's a very right. solid episode of bebop it's just it's just probably one of the more forgettable episodes that i've watched definitely into Cowboy Funk, which aired on March 27th, 1999. This was written by Kiko Nobumoto. A serial bomber is trying to blow up skyscrapers, but Spike is more concerned about an American Western-style cowboy on horseback that hinders his attempt to catch the bounty. Um, just in general, what do you think about this episode, specifically the character of Andy? This is one of the episodes that always sticks out in my memory because even though it doesn't, it does nothing for the plot, like we were talking about, um, it it's just it's spike on a horse like this guy's just blonde spike they have the same face they have the same personality they i mean they go about things differently but i think they have like similar kind of uh drives and emotions um 
and yeah, this is this is just goofy good time. It's um, it's almost too much for me. Like Andy is Ooh, just like like okay, a shade okay. too much for me. Um, it's not it's not bad by any means. Like I like a lot of things that happen in this episode. There's some really funny comedic beats with the uh with the bomber. Even though like some of the stuff like there's like it has to be like hundreds if not thousands of people die in this episode that we don't really spend a lot of time th- dealing with. <laughs> he he says that he didn't want to hurt anybody, so it's like was he just like blowing out windows or was he like actually hurting people? Yeah, then why did we you never? Why did you bomb a masquerade party, my dude? Like what? Yeah. <laughs> that's full of people. If that's not what you're trying to it's, do, it seems like his his intent is to cause destruction but not death. I don't know how you do one without the other, but that's that's his intent. I only blow up empty buildings. I'm I'm an ethical bomber. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, like it's it. Andy is whereas Spike has like that kind of laid back, um, not so in your face and not so aggressively full of himself. Even though he's kind of full of himself, even though he is full of himself, he's not like super aggressive about it and dealing with other people. Um, he's just like he's just so confident in himself that it comes off as kind of like a prick, right? Whereas yeah. Andy is like so aggressive about it, like the line that he says to Faye of like. Let's let's talk about how handsome I am while I look at myself in your beautiful eyes, and I'm like, oh my, and I know like I'm not supposed to like the dude or anything, but it's just hilarious and and just a little too much for me. Yeah, it's like they're trying to like draw out some of Spike's weaknesses in this like cartoonish comparison, but Spike is just never really ever seemingly even close to this level of absurdity. So, um, but yeah, just to 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 start the episode off, we see this you know fake security guard in in a um outfit up in a skyscraper planting a teddy bear like along a railing in an empty hallway so maybe that's that's an indication that things aren't going to be that bad um there's nobody around he just places it by a window and um he is going down the escalator and then like spike pops up behind him with the teddy bear in his hand like hey man you forgot this dude tries to talk his way out of it but spike's like all right come on and then um this bomber as we're gonna the teddy bomber he reveals that he knows who spike is yes and that most of these bounties are scared of getting picked up by either spike or andy and of course spike's like who the fuck is andy what are you talking about um i i I just want to note like right off the bat because uh we we're we're talking about blowing up skyscrapers this episode was actually pulled from the air after 2001 after the september 11th attacks Um, interesting it's you know it's one of those weird things that in our culture that like they would like random episodes of TV and like t- movie trailers had to be changed because some idiots blew up a building. Like it's just fucking weird, but yeah. Um, uh, nipples will always be bad. Yes. Um, horrid, gross violence will always be fine unless it looks like nine 11. Yes, exactly. Right. Um, so this dude, um, he, he manages to run away and tries to trigger the bomb using this little device on his wrist. Uh, but of course spike is one step ahead of him. And says he pulled the ignition pin and uh, and then proceeds to just beat the shit out of the dude. Just punch him up and down. Yeah. I think right before this, he invites him to hotel prison, by the way. I thought that was really funny. Yeah. Like, I'm going to yeah. send you to hotel prison. That's really good. He's just doing this. So he's got a whole bit planned. Yeah, <laughs> he, he, really obviously spent, he obviously spent some time workshopping these ide- the yeah. ideas to take this dude down. And I guess you was just right? off the cuff. You yeah. know, he, he thought about this. <laughs> He has a script that he's working for. He he ran lines with Faye before yeah, the, before he yeah. came out here. Um, but once he's once the guy gets beaten up a little bit, he reveals that there wasn't just one bomb; there were several more. And he's got like three or four of those devices on his other wrist, up his shirt. Um, and and right as he's about to to cue the switches, we hear this like Inicio Morricone kind of whistling uh, music start happening. 
and a cowboy on a horse bursts through the window and says that you can call me Wyatt Earp, <laughs> which is yeah. extremely funny. Um, I'll, I'll be honest with you. It wasn't until a little later that Andy started getting a little too much for me. Like a horse bursting through the fucking window is so hilarious and, and, and yeah. just off the wall that I was really here for it. The moment later where the horse takes the elevator up is, is a big favorite of mine as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Anytime the horse shows up in general, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty enthusiastic about it's the horse. It's a good horse. It's a good horse. But yeah. He's, he looks so, he has Spike's face and hair, except his hair is blonde and he was wearing a whole like white cowboy outfit with a white cowboy hat. It's a whole, it's a look. It's a look. Um, but yeah, he immediately points his gun at Spike and he's like, all right, got you buster. I, I know a face and I don't trust your face, even though they have the same face. Um, so yeah, while he's like harassing Spike, the the bomber gets away, and Spike's like, "Dude, motherfucker, we gotta go." <laughs> yeah, and Spike tries to chase the bomber, and uh, fucking Andy lassos him, uh, allowing the bomber to trigger this bomb. And uh, we we saw the shot at the very beginning with the two giant skyscrapers with like the walkway, the weird like over the top curvy walkway in between them. And when he triggers the bombs, this thing literally. This bridge or walkway or sky path, whatever you want to call it, starts sliding down. Like it's like he broke the connection loose and it starts sliding down in between them and crashes, killing presumably tens, if not dozens of people at the bottom of this thing. Even though, you know, Spike survives. Yeah. But, um, Ones, if not twos, of people. <laughs> and as Andy like rides off from the bottom, Spike is left on the ground with literal hoof prints on his back from when the horse walked mm-hmm. over it, which, I mean, a horse, if a horse walked on you, that's that's not a good situation. Can't be great. Can't be good for the spine. I'll say it. I'll be the first to admit or, <laughs> that a horse can't be good for the spine. Or it's great for the spine. Oh, <laughs> maybe, true. Maybe, maybe true, we're true, not true. thinking about it. Um, Spike goes back to the ship where Faye and Jet just just fucking roast this dude. They're they like, don't yeah. believe him. <laughs> They're like, yeah, like, dude, like, okay, I can see a horse, but like a cowboy, like maybe if you said samurai or something, that would be believable. But a cowboy, no way. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's um, there's a real funny moment where Ayn walks through like the foreground as the characters are talking, and and mm-hmm. Ayn just has like this purple wig on for some reason and we're going to see the wig later i just small details <laughs> yeah. man like i just yeah. I, I literally rewound it and i was like what the fuck is going on with i yeah. um, <laughs> what is i doing in this episode just just chilling in a wig <laughs> get ready for the masquerade but um thankfully ed actually looks up this dude that uh spike is describing and finds record of him as part of the ymca the Young Men's Cowboy Association. <laughs> Which he got kicked out from. And uh, and this dude has a list of a laundry list of like property destruction and injuring people and uh, all uh, all of this bad stuff that he's doing to try to, you know, get some bounties. And Faye immediately is like, you know, he is pretty handsome, though, which really pisses Spike off. Yeah. Uh, again, they have the same face. So Spike, take it as a compliment, buddy. Um, but it, it also, yeah, that wanton destru- destruction is a hell of a lot like Spike as well. Uh, we go to this masquerade ball where uh, our costume ball, whatever you want to call it. Um, Spike and Jet are in the costume looking for the bomber. Uh, Faye is is running around and like, you know, saying cryptic weird stuff to waiters while she gets like a glass <laughs> of champagne. Yeah. Um, just it's it's unbelievable the amount of detail in this in this in all of these scenes in this in this section of the episode. Like the everybody in the background looks like they have like, distinct outfits on and like. I would imagine somebody has screenshotted this and like gone through and tried to get all of dig all of the references out of it. But it's like there's a lot here. There's a lot. There's a lot going on here. Um, Faye looks like she's wearing the same dress that she wore in the episode with the church and, and Vicious. I don't know if that's that's true or if it's just another fancy dress that she's in. 
if it is the same one, I appreciate that detail. Um, it might not be. But yeah, Spike just has like a mask on, I think. And then Jet is in like hippie disguise, which is pretty funny. With a giant pot leaf on his shirt and like yeah. and like leaning into it. He's like, hey, man, peace and love, yeah. bro. It's really <laughs> funny to hear Jet like go full fucking, uh, you know, weed head. It's funny that like like Jet goes like full into like a character. He gets fully weird about it. Um, Faye looks like she wanted to look as hot as possible when she showed up to this party because she's, you know, she loves the intention. And then Spike put the literal bare minimum effort required to get into the room, which yes. was just put a mask on. <laughs> put one mask on. Like, it doesn't when, even cover his whole face. <laughs> this dude shows up at the orgy and you're like, really, man? Come on. What are you doing? Really? Just really? one mask? You didn't even, there's no feathers just, on it or anything? Come on. Just one condom? <laughs> so, of course, uh, Andy shows up. Uh, Via on his elevator. Horse. <laughs> yeah. He just walks out of the elevator on his horse. <laughs> and Faye like, uh, is, is completely shocked. Like there's there's a line here somewhere where it's like, there's a horse, there's a cowboy. Like it's just everybody is like, what in the this dude is costumed out. This is too uh, much. <laughs> which is yeah, and it's great because like they didn't believe Spike before, and now they're just like, I still don't believe it. I'm seeing it. I still don't believe this shit. Uh he draws down on, he points his gun at Jet and Spike, thinking that the two of them are the bomber. Uh, the bomber is behind him, dressed up like a teddy bear. I don't know if we forgot to mention that. Yeah, being yeah. completely ignored. Uh, and then someone, like, wa- someone from, like, the staff walks up to Andy and is like, um, excuse me, you cannot have a horse in here. And he's like, but it's no regular horse. This horse beats me at chess all the time. And then there's just yeah. a small, like, background where <laughs> Spike is just, like, yelling off mic like you do all the time of, of like, <laughs> horses can't play chess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe i do like andy maybe i was thinking yeah. he was too much at the time but maybe in hindsight i'm really here for andy uh also he's again accusing spike who's like we met yesterday <laughs> that's right i forgot about that um and then this i think i don't know if spike had noticed the bomber just before he came in but yeah the bomber gets away and he's very upset he's very annoyed about being completely ignored and he triggers the bomb and then like everything goes crazy. Like people are trying to press into the elevator. Somehow Faye and Andy wind up in the elevator together and she asks for a ride. Um, so she jumps on the horse behind him and they proceed to chase the bomber who jumps in a convertible and, and, and rides away. Meanwhile, Spike, it's just, it's very funny that, that she's like being all cool and flirty. Like, can we, you know, Oh, can I have a ride or something? And he's like, sure. And he like lifts her up. And then when they cut to them riding on the horse, she's freaking the fuck out. And she's like holding on for dear life. And is not having fun at all because that's <laughs> Faye. She can play the act of somebody who's like cool and sexy, but that's just not who she is. Yeah. Once you get on the court, once you get on the horse, like everything yeah. is over with. <laughs> um, Spike flies by and literally starts shooting uh, like, you know, blasters or plasma shots or whatever they're called. Um, but he's not shooting at the bomber. He's shooting at Andy. And yeah. Andy like brings out a sawed off shotgun and starts shooting fucking missiles at Spike. And like, meanwhile, shit is falling on the ground. They're crashing into like shops in the outside on the, on the street. Like people are, yeah, again, people are dying all over the place because of they the cause chaos. as much destruction as the bomber does. Yes, absolutely. Um, eventually the bomber crashes his convertible into a wall and gets out and is freaking out. But Andy just blows right past him, chasing down Spike and trying to shoot him and we get this great like city skyline shot of spike ship just flying all around with explosions happening at random Mm -hmm. places right after (laughs) it's just so funny you know like the bomber at the end of the episode he talks about how like 
he was trying to make a point about like the destruction of like capitalism, or whatever. And I'm sure that's what this whole episode is. Like it's yes. this episode is making the points that that guy wanted to make via Spike and this other dude. But we're ignoring those points because it's just fun to watch. Absolutely. And uh, from here we go to Andy's house, his his apartment, uh, and and Faye is bemoaning this guy's lack of taste. Uh, it's extremely like nouveau riche gaudy, like right, like mm-hmm. it's it's a mm-hmm. lot of gold trim, a lot of like ostentatious furniture. The horse is there, <laughs> just in a stall in the apartment, <laughs> which is probably the only good thing about the apartment. Um, and uh, they they we get a little bit. Um, Andy serves his son of a gun stew, uh, and Faye thinks it's super gross, but of course doesn't admit that and. Um, she asked him like why he's a bounty hunter, and he's like, "Well, just because it's just because it suits me." <laughs> yeah. And then, and then She's he like, says, "Does well, it? <laughs> does it really? Does you it? seem really bad at this. You seem to kill more people than you catch." Yeah. Uh, and then this this is where he says the line of like, "Why don't we drink to me uh, and my reflection in your lovely eyes?" So that's extremely funny to me. Yeah, yeah. He's um. How did she get out? How did she get out of that? Did you think she just was like, "All right, well, I better go." Yeah, I guess like she just left. Like, is the because she comes back and it's uh, she comes back to the ship and it really feels like it's the next day, right? Like yeah. she, she's coming back. So I was wondering if the implication was that she like slept with him, but she doesn't seem interested either. So maybe she was just like, "Thanks for the stew. See you later, horse." <laughs> and then like Bye. walked out. I gotta go. <laughs> um, but she she does bring home a lot of stew. Uh, there was a plot point earlier uh, that. Spike had bought all of their groceries before confronting the bomber for the first time. And of course those were all destroyed when Andy showed up. So they, oh, they, yes, they were yes. all hungry as always. This is the only food they have, but Spike refuses to eat it. Cause he doesn't like the guy. Of course. Would you eat the, like, I mean, like if you fucking just could not stand, um, the guy that makes tombstone pizzas, you think you would buy one of those pizzas and put it in your microwave? Hell no, no way. No, no way. way. Uh, and then Faye, it makes him even more angry when Faye is like, Oh, it's yeah. Cause you two are exactly alike absolutely he gets very agitated at this and will throughout the entire episode yeah um i think this is where big shot appears uh oh yeah listeners might remember big shot is like the (laughs) the little uh in-universe tv show where they talk about bounties uh they have a message from the teddy bear bomber uh and they start going through this this message and like the chick unscrolls it and it falls to the floor and they start reading it which is this is a warning that everyone who came after me, I'm going to put them down. I'm going to, you know, destroy the, the biggest building. And and like, and they were just like, whoops, time for credits. We got to go. So are we yep. going to finish your message? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is amazing. Stop. Sorry. All right. And Ed kind of puts it together that, Oh, like he's going after the tallest buildings in the city. Like he went after um, this building, the, the, the two skyscrapers and then the, whatever hotel masquerade thing that they were at. So now he's going to go after city hall. And uh, Spike is like, well, I'm going to find him. And, and both Faye and Jed are like, nah, I'm good. I'm just going to stay yeah. here. Like, this is this is a small fry. This is too, more trouble than it's worth. Um, and I love this next scene where the bomber is standing out front of City Hall, waiting for the bounty hunters to show up. Spike surprises him from behind, but is just like, hey, be quiet. I'm waiting for somebody. <laughs> like, yeah. not even giving a fuck. <laughs> and, a, and a dude, like a standard, like, pedestrian walks by whistling, and Spike is like, nope, that's not him. Hold on, we gotta wait. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's so good. It's so good. They, they're just, the, the disrespect to this man is, <laughs> it's truly, like, you, first, you feel bad for him at this point, even though he's a literal terrorist. Um, eventually, Andy shows up. And they, Spike and Andy, like, yell at each other a lot for getting in the way. 
And like the in the background, the bomber is trying to explain why he's blowing everything up, but they're just not listening. So he just blows up the building. <laughs> Do they even care? I don't know. I don't think so. Uh, he tricks them into an elevator um, that he has booby trapped. If the elevator goes all the way to the front, top floor, it will uh, it will trigger a bunch more teddy bear bombs and explode, killing both of them. And uh, this little scene in the elevator, I think, is very cute because like. They both have thought ahead to change the access code to stop the elevator. But yeah. since they both did it, it's back to the one that they don't know. So they can't yeah, do it. it just, so they can't use it. Just it just reverted. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's great. <laughs> I think Andy tries to shoot the glass and it just causes the bullet to ricochet around, which would have definitely killed one of them. Like there's no oh, way yeah. they would have not been shot. Oh yeah. But uh, I guess they're fine. And they just, they both have to try and climb out. At the same time, which of course they get stuck, and then we just watch from the outside. I don't. Do we? Do we get Faye and Jet's perspective on this? As yeah, they're just outside. Like yes. they they capture the bomber. <laughs> they walk in and just grab him. Nope. I think Faye clocks him in the face. Oh, yeah. uh, and then punches and the then shit we, uh, out of him. It's really funny. <laughs> and then we just watch like the elevator blow up with them in it because they're not able to figure it out in time. Um, but then quickly they're like, I think we hear Faye be like, Are they? Are they? climbing up the side of the uh, the building now and i think jet's like yeah I, I have no idea like let's go back to the ship and she's like sure yeah i just gotta drop this dude off first and like collect the three million oolongs <laughs> that, that i am owed um the boys did manage to get out of the elevator in time they are on a rope and they both start trying to climb climbing up it start to climb up it and then uh, but they're fighting with each other all of the way uh as they get to the top, they start shooting at one another and then quickly run out of ammo and have to start like basically hand-to-hand combat. And, and Andy looks like he's winning at first. Like he kind of knocks Spike in, out of the air with this like iron post and then manages to use that same iron post to squish him down. And he, Spike falls to the floor and gets half buried in the rubble and gets super fucking mad and like punches a desk and the whole fucking like top floor falls apart. It's really great. <laughs> uh, and then when the whole place starts, first of all, the animation is great. Like there, yeah, there's no yeah, reason for this like that. fight choreography to be this good, but it is. And it's really fun and wacky and stuff's falling apart because they're just, there's just destruction everywhere. Um, and yeah, he, when he punches the, the desk or whatever it is, it shakes and it looks like, Andy like falls off to his death, but he doesn't. He's right. He's right on the edge there. And he's like, okay, you win. Yeah. You're obviously the best at this because you punched a whole building down. Like that's his metric of success is that was a real good punch partner. Here's my cowboy hat. I see now you're the real cowboy. Like it's literally that. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like, yeah, it's so quick. He just hands it off. That's it. Okay. Uh, Puts the cowboy hat on his head. His horse rides up at the elevator and he goes, Fucking okay, I'm getting on my horse. Extremely good. When, when the horse shows, when it just dings and the horse is standing in the elevator, that is, <laughs> it's one of the best. I mean, just, it's such a ridiculous image that I love it. It's really, really good. Um, and this is where we get the line. This is where we get, see you space cowboy. Yeah. I texted you last night and said like, they finally said the line, except it wasn't you. And I accidentally texted autumn and she was like, what are you talking about? And I was like, uh, <laughs> that was a mistake. I'm sorry. I hate uh, that person. <laughs> nothing, like, well, now, honey. <laughs> now you have to explain the context. And I'm like, well, it's not, I mean, it's, it's not going to be, very, you know, you don't care. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. He says, see you space cowboy, uh, 22 episodes deep into the season. We finally, we finally get that reference. Um, we go back over to the ship and Spike is now uh, saying Spike is now eating this, the soup number one and two saying like, Oh, I never really had anything against Andy at all. Like that's, 
he was a, he was a good guy and they're just like mm-hmm, yeah mm-hmm. now that his ego has been soothed they're just like yeah whatever yeah no problem and uh we go to this prison van or this prison vehicle uh where the bomber is being transported to prison and the <laughs> the screw in the in the in the van is like well why were you bombing all that stuff and the bomber like goes on to all of this stuff i was protesting capitalism that without philosophy you know they're not creating art they're just creating things and like he starts going and then like andy shows up outside of the window and is just like hey and now he's just <laughs> dressed like a fucking samurai yeah but he's on the he goes, horse <laughs> yeah he's like andy and he's like no call me musashi and then he just like rides <laughs> off and uh there's another really gorgeous shot with uh that's just kind of out of nowhere of andy like riding to the right of the screen from, from we see him from the side as the sun sets behind him this is really pretty and really over the top and of obviously like a, a definite love letter to a whole lot of westerns like all of the spaghetti mm-hmm. westerns in the from, from italy and stuff like that so yeah uh it's it's just a fun episode all around uh, and that's it. And we get to see CU Space CU Space Samurai, and that's the end of the episode. Oh, yeah. There it is. What'd you uh, What'd you think? I really love this episode. I think it's a lot of fun. It's really wacky and stupid, and uh, I hate Andy too because he's like one of those characters that like frustrates the shit out of you because he's such a dickhead. Um, but knowing where it all leads and like knowing that the horse gags, like the horse gags are just so good. They're so stupid, but they're so funny. The horse getting out of that elevator just makes the whole episode for me. And then Spike's complete 180. Like, he's a good guy because he beat him. Yeah. Totally good. Um, looking, skimming through the wiki, I, I didn't really pick up on this, but I guess the bomber was a reference to Ted Kuczynski, the Unabomber. Yeah, because um, he's the like the Teddy bomber or whatever. Yeah, yeah, I guess that that does make a lot of sense. I w- I, I just wouldn't think that you would base like a character on a real ass bomber, but yeah, whatever. Um, kind of interesting stuff right there. I, I like yeah. this a lot. I actually um came across a lot more positive on it than I was than I originally thought I was. But I, I and just in again like the jokes, like talking about the jokes and stuff, and talking about like how how funny Andy is, like made me like him a lot more. So I guess yeah, once again the podcast makes something better for me. That's what happens sometimes. <laughs> um any any last thoughts or you want to you want to gtfo yeah man we're closing in we're closing in on it i'm excited to see where this goes yeah so we will have uh two more episodes of this podcast um to finish the tv show we've got four more episodes and then uh we'll cover the movie if we can get some feedback in i don't think anybody's written in about this show specifically um it but if we get feedback enough feedback in we'll do a feedback episode and kind of talk about um, listeners appreciation for the show and, and their thoughts and, and feelings and all of that. So you can send all of that to monster of the week. cool slash contact. Uh, thank you again to the patrons over patreon.com slash monster of the week for making the show happen. We very much appreciate you and uh, hope you enjoyed the episode and I guess see you space cowboy. Woo.